the sermon cast from King Road Church. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you'd like to pray with someone, speak with one of our pastors, or if you're looking for more resources, please go to kingroad.ca, scroll down on the homepage, and fill out the Reach Out fillable. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bible with you, would you open with me to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. I'll be reading from the ESV translation this morning. And I want you to have your Bibles open with you. If you don't have your physical copy of the Bible, open your phone, turn your phone on, follow, because I want you to track with me so that I'm not saying anything that's not there, okay? It's a good practice. <clears throat> Matthew 9:35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your grace. Thank you that we can sing and worship you. We praise you for your goodness in our lives. And we ask now that as we Study your word, would you speak to us, encourage us, convict us, and challenge us, and help us to love you and love those around us. Would you accomplish your purpose this morning in and through us? Holy Spirit, would you lead and speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. The curse of today is that we are too busy. We live in a culture where if you ask someone, hey, would you like to meet for coffee or would you like to go for lunch or hang out? What's the answer? I'm too busy. The word busy is pretty much used by everyone. Even the kids use it. My 70 year old sometimes like, I'm busy. Doing what? Watching TV. Come on, Dad. But, but there's something fundamentally different about our busyness versus the busyness of Jesus. In, in, in our text, where we, we see that Jesus was probably busier than any of us, based on the text today. Just, just think about during his Galilean ministry, there's no end to the lines. People keep coming. And after a long day, you probably want to have a rest. And you're like, man, I'm so tired. I need to chill. But when you look at Jesus' schedule just in chapter alone itself, we see that in verses uh, 2 to 8, chapter 9, he's healing the paralytic lying on the bed. He sealed him. And, and then the next thing we see, the, the text collector, he's been redeemed. And then 22 to 22, the woman who's been bleeding, he heals her. 
And then 23 to 26, we see the daughter who died, she's resurrected. Jesus is busy doing all of these things. But, but there's difference between the busyness of Jesus and us. Jesus' busyness is about other-centered, people-centered, people-focused. Our busyness is about me-centered, us-centered. Is it not true? It's all about me. We live in this individual culture where it's all about me, us, me, 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 me kind of thing. There's, there's no language such as it's ours, it's us-centered. But when you look at the entire life of Jesus, it's always about people-centered, others-centered. So as we, as we study this text, I want us to, to learn three things. It's three C's, pretty easy. Compassionate God, compelling reason, and commissioned people. Compassionate God, compelling reason, and commissioned people. Up until now, we see that Jesus has been teaching and healing the sick. In chapter 7, verse 28, we see that the crowd were amazed at his teaching. I mean, just look about the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. They're amazed at uh, what he's teaching. And then in chapter 9, verse 33, the crowds were amazed at his healing work. At his miraculous power he's, he's performing there. So we come then to verse 35. And it says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. The text suggests us that because of his great compassion for the sick and afflicted, because of the size of the crowds, he went. The NLT translation says he traveled through. It says he traveled through the towns and villages of the area, teaching them. After looking at the schedule of Jesus doing all of these teaching and healing in chapter 9 itself, don't you think Jesus would be like, no, I need to rest now? I mean, what, what would you do if you had that kind of schedule? Like, man, I'm so tired. I need to sit on the couch, perhaps watch Canucks lose. <laughs> right? Which is the case most of the time. I give up watching on them. Who cares now? It's Canucks. But that's the reality here. But it says Jesus went. He didn't have to go through and yet, he traveled through after a busy day. He goes and he helps those people. He cares for the crowd. That, that, that's the compassion that arises in him because he's other-centered. He's people-focused person. And then we, we, we read that as he's traveling, he's teaching in their synagogue. Now, synagogue is the place where the local community gathered there to worship. But there's interesting thing to note here that Jesus does not simply wait for people to come to him. Rather, he goes to them. He's like, I see that you gathered there. I am going to come and teach there. It's like a sales 
salesperson. Any, any salespeople here in the, in the house here? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. I know. Do you wait for people to come to your company or where your office is or wherever you're selling the product? Perhaps. But often, if you want to make money, you go door to door. That's the reality. You don't wait for them to come. You go to them. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. In other words, Jesus uses the place where they are gathered as a seminary sort of thing to teach them and to preach to them the gospel. So we read Jesus ran, traveled through the cities, teaching in the synagogue. He healed every disease and every affliction. Notice the reputation there. Every is used twice. Every disease and every affliction. Why? Matthew is trying to tell us that this long-awaited Messiah who you've been waiting for, he has come and he has the power over every single thing. God himself has come. He's all-powerful and he's the one who he's healing the sick and afflicting. He has come. Therefore, Matthew now informs us that what Jesus is now seeing and what he's feeling now, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And when you look at the word crowd, it doesn't say a singular crowd, a crowd. No, it says crowds. It's plural there, is it not? When he saw the crowds, there's multiple crowds. And when he saw them, that they're helpless and harassed. He, he was moved. He had compassion on them. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The, 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 the verb to have compassion is to have sympathy or to have affection for someone. In, in other words, you, 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 it, it, there's, there's a movement in your bowels. You, you ever, we, we often use this, this, this expression, this line, I feel sick to my stomach. Why? You, you see a certain situation that, that moves you inside and you feel sick to your stomach. You're like, ah, I wish I could do something. That, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's moved after seeing them, how helpless they are. They're afflicted. So the question is, what moves you? What moves you? About three years ago, my little girl, she's seven now, but she was four at the time. She got sick and she's throwing up all day. In the afternoon, I'm holding her and she just puked on me. And then she, it became a joke. Now she's like, Daddy, you really love me, right? Because I puked on you. I'm like, yeah. It's from my shoulder. He's like, ugh. But it, it's not stopping. We ended up taking to the hospital at the merge. We go there at 3 o'clock. We're there till 1 in the morning. And my little girl, she's laying at the hospital bed. They're coming over. We get to the blood test and all that stuff. By the way, I never get that. She's puking. Why do you have to take the blood? Kid is already panicking. 
I mean, all the nurses and doctors, I'm sorry, but I don't get that, personally. You may do that. But my, my little girl, she's in tears. She's like, Daddy, I don't want any of this. Take me home. I'm standing there, feel sick to my stomach, because I want to help her, but I can't. You're just helpless. I wish I could help, but, but I can't. What do you do? You wait for the experts to come and do their thing. That, that's the kind of compassion Jesus is talking about here. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, the language sheep without a shepherd is referring to the language that we see in Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 to 16 where God promised Israel that if their leaders failed to shepherd them, he will shepherd his people. And this was predicted by Micah himself, prophet Micah. He said the Messiah would shepherd his people. And these people are like sheep without a shepherd. So what happens? We see this long-awaited Messiah becomes their shepherd. There's an old hymn that expresses this image of shepherd just beautifully. It says this, I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he blessed me, tongue can never tell. On the cross he suffered, shed his blood and died, that I might ever in his love confide. Following Jesus every day by day, nothing can harm me when he leads the way. Darkness or sunshine, whatever befall, Jesus, the shepherd, is my all in all. Do you get that? Jesus is a good shepherd. We see that in John chapter 10. He's a good shepherd that he laid down his life for his sheep. This is the true compassion. Just think about this. It, it was his compassion for the people that led him to the cross. Was it not? He died for you and me on the cross because of his compassion for us, for his people. He died so that you and I could live. He died so that you and I can experience the grace that we never deserved. We were so helpless that by his wounds, we have been healed. That's the language in Isaiah we read. He saves us from the eternal damnation. Because we once were helpless and harassed. Were we not? There was no hope. I don't know what to do with my life anymore. I'm just, just thinking about the situation around the, the world now. What do we do now? Jesus becomes a shepherd here. In other words, what we see here, Jesus visualized he agonized and he evangelized. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the true compassion in action. 
So compassionate God, compelling reason. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There aren't very many workers to help with the harvest. You know, we live in a culture where we got this theology, if God wants to save someone, he can do it. I am going to go sit on my couch and do whatever I like to do. I want to relax. God can save whoever he wants, is it not? It's just like the olden days when William Carey told his friends with the missionary movements, he said, I am going to go to evangelize in India. And what he was told by the missionary movement, sit down, Carey. If God wants to evangelize in India, he can do it without you. If God wants to do it, he can do it without you. Is that our response too? Should that be our response? No. We fail to under, understand the grace that we experience. And with the same grace, Jesus is inviting us to join his mission because he said the harvest is plentiful. One of the commentators writes, he said, by by the harvest, Jesus means all those in whom the work of God's grace succeeds. And this harvest is much or abundant. The number of those that will be saved is large. Like great ripe field grain, they stand before the eyes of Jesus, needing only to be gathered in. So when I say the curse for today is that we are too busy, we often have this attitude. I don't have the time. I got other things to do. We worried about other things. Why? Because they become our priority. That, that becomes very much like the disciples' attitude. If, if, you, if you read the story uh, or uh, the encounter in John chapter 4, where Jesus is interacting with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, and, and then as you read the story, What's disciples' focus? They're walking and walking and going through, through, through the area and they're like, oh, we're, we're hungry. Hey, Jesus, we're off to get some food. They go to get lunch because food was their priority. Jesus ends up staying at the well. What happens? He intera interacts with this woman. Long story short, what does he do? He's engaging with, that, with her and then the whole village ends up believing. Disciple comes back with his food, with their food, and they're like, Jesus, you want some progies? They weren't progies, just so you know. Probably roll cooking or something. Maybe that wasn't true. <clears throat> and Jesus goes like, nah, I don't need that food. And what does he say? In John chapter 4, 33, 35, then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Because he's like, no, I don't need the food. And then Jesus said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. 
Food isn't the priority here. People are the priority for Jesus. He's like, yes, I'm hungry. Perhaps he was hungry, but he's going to stay interact with this woman who's socially outcasted by the community. And yet, he engages with her because that was very important to him. On Tuesday night, uh, through a mutual friend, I, I was asked if I wanted to meet this friend who just, this, uh, who just moved from Ontario, uh, a young guy, 22 years old. And uh, this friend of mine, he said, we're meeting at 6 o'clock. Like, sure, I could do that as long as I leave by 6.45. I have to put my 70-year-old daughter to bed. Five minutes later, I get to text from this friend. He's like, hey, this guy is saying, can we change to 6.15? Sure, we can. Yeah, no big deal. Let's do this. 6.15, I get a text again. He's asking, can we do it at 6.30? Come on. Seriously, 6.30. If I ask you honestly, if you're getting those messages back and forth with the time changing, what would you do? Be like, nah, let's schedule for another time. Would you not? Yeah, I see the nods, right? Let, let's schedule. I got to do other things. I got to do this. Now, I'm not saying I'm a saint or anything, but I'm like, okay, yeah, I talked to my wife. Hey, can you put, put Phoenix to bed? She's like, sure. I got to do this. I don't know this, this guy, but he wants to meet. 6.30 we go. Gosh, she was a five minutes late. <laughs> Coming from a brown guy, I hate, maybe, not hate, I don't like when people are late. This is coming from a brown guy, okay? I want to be on time. But this guy, so I, I go nuts, but I wasn't going nuts at the time. This guy shows up, we met a young guy. He said, I started to explore Christianity. He's a Sikh guy, born and raised in Canada. Parents are Sikh. We met at Starbucks, ended up talking for two and a half hours. Well, I am busy, I gotta go. Could have been my excuse. But our discussion led to some of the incredible stuff that he's like, ah, that makes sense, that makes sense. What did I do there? I made myself available. I could have done, I don't have the time, let's reschedule. He's going to a local church doing a Christianity Explore course, but he's got a ton of questions still. So go meet again. Why? Because once you become a Christ follower, your life is not your own. You become a missionary wherever you are at. Your life becomes about people because you have joined the mission of God he has called you for. Yes, sometimes we can do that. Totally understandable. But there's time when we can. I could have been like, no, tennis match is starting and that was the, the true tennis match starting. I'm looking forward to watching this match. I got to go, but I ended up staying, right? Wasn't that a compelling reason to stay? Or how about, think about this way now. I think I have a graph here somewhere on the screen. This is the latest population of Abbotsford just came a year or two ago. The population of Abbotsford is 158,000. How many people go to church on a Sunday, given Sunday, any church in Abbotsford? There are a lot of churches in Abbotsford. How many people go to church on Sunday? 
probably, if being generous, maybe 10,000, roughly, fair, what you got left with? Math people? 148,000 people. Do not go to church. And yet we got churches pretty much every corner in Abbotsford. Out of that, see some of my people there? I underlined that just for you guys so you can understand. This is us. There are 46, 47,000 of us. How many of them are Christian? 89% are Sikh. About 2% are everything else. And out of that 2%, to be generous, perhaps, maybe about 500-ish, could be a bit more, five to 700, Christian out of the 47,000. So when Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, it's right there. You ever walk through Mill Lake sometime? I was walking with a friend during... Um, the summer last year, I saw this girl sitting on a bench with a headphone on, just head in her knees. She just crawled like this. You could see the look on her face. She's helpless. There's something going on in her life. I have no idea. But I, but I guess the cultural thing is that once you have your headphone, you don't bother anyone. But you walk around, you're like, how many people are like her? Who, who are helpless, perhaps. They're trying to, to search something out. They're, they're trying to, to find the meaning. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my existence? 148,000 people in Abbas. So you don't need to go outside here. Harvest is plentiful. There are 48,000 people who need to know Jesus too. And then you got all these other ethnic groups who are here in Abbotsford. Can I say this? Perhaps in the next 25 years, it's going to be the ethnic immigrants who are going to fill our churches. Whether you like it or not, that's the reality. Because the local people, the Caucasian people, they have turned their back on God question the very existence of God. And yet, they need to know Jesus too. So regardless of the skin color or the language, harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And if that isn't a compelling reason for you and I to go and do what Jesus is calling us to do, I don't know what are you doing here. So we see Jesus is compassionate. And then he gives us compelling reason. But not only that, he commissions his people. Verse 38, seeing the size of the crowd, he turns to his disciples. And what does he say? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord, to the Lord of the harvest to send our laborers into his harvest. Is Jesus telling them, pack up and go? No. What is he telling them? Pray. 
He tells them to pray. Why? Because it is through prayer we get to see the way Jesus saw. We get to feel the way Jesus felt when he saw the crowds. And it is through prayer he moves in and through us. You don't need to do anything else. Simply, he says, just pray. And pray earnestly. Richard Lenski, in his commentary on this book, writes this. He, Jesus does not tell the disciples to go out and to get workers. This mistake has been made. And workers abroad in that has not been called. The harvest is God's, and he must provide the workers. All that we are to do is to ask, pray. So he said, therefore, pray earnestly to, do the, to, to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his disciples. What happens? He, he tells the disciples, I want you guys to pray. Who becomes the answer to those prayers? Read chapter 10, the first four verses. Who becomes the answer? The disciples themselves. Those who have been praying to the Lord of the harvest ended up becoming missionary, ended up being commissioned to do, because if you see the, the next four verses, he's commissioning them, and he uses the same language that we see every... He, so, so let me read here. Um, he says that, uh, chapter 10, verse 10, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast, out, to cast them out and to heal every disease. Remember, every disease and every afflictions, the word every, he's using, giving them authority of all of that. To, to heal every disease and to every affliction. And then, he, then you read a whole bunch of names. He's calling them. The point he's making, I want you to simply pray because it is through prayer God moves in our hearts. And if you're not doing that, you can plan all you want. Nothing is going to happen. Because if you pray, God will move in your heart. Spurgeon, on his sermon on this passage, writes this. He said, the field standing asking us to reap them. But they are not reapers enough. The grain perishes for want of laborers. The people are accessible. What country is there where the gospel cannot be preached? Fast closed was China, but you may go through the length and breadth of the land and talk of Christ. If ye will, Japan is open to you, and Africa has laid bare her central secrets. Spain, fast, shut as with the seal is this day set free, and Italy rejoices in the same liberty. All the world lies before the reapers of the Most High. But where are they? Who? The workers. The harvest is truly plenteous, he says, but the laborers are few. 148,000 in Abbotsford. How many of them are probably reaching out to them? Yes, we got all the programs and all that stuff. That's great. But here's what I want us to do. And we'll end with this, I promise you. I want you to turn your phones on. I left my phone back there. Pull your phone out for a second. 
seriously, I want you to, or, or if you don't have your phone, pull your notebook out. I want you to do this. I want you to write one person's name on your phone or on your notebook. Aaron and the worship team is going to come up and then we'll, 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 we'll do some more worship after. But I want you to do this. Take, take a second. I want you to write one person's name. And then I want you to commit to praying for that person for the next week, at least. Just one person who's not Christian. Because that's where the harvest needs to start. What did Jesus say? Pray to the Lord of the harvest. So open your phones. Take a second. I'll stop talking. And I want you to do that. As you have written the name, just think about how many of you are here? About 200? And those of you watching online, about 300 altogether perhaps? You're praying for 300 people. It's very practical. Think about the impact that you are going to make with that 140,000, 48,000 people. It starts with you and I. All of you students, pray for your classmate who's not a believer. University students, pray for your classmate there, your coworker, your neighbor. Perhaps your neighbor is annoying, but Jesus loves them too. Right? Just as much as he loves you because you once were perhaps annoying too. But that's the impact you and I can make. And if we start doing this, because Jesus says pray earnestly, you will see the difference in our community and in our society. Because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he's calling you and I to join him in this mission. Are you willing to? Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful for your word. We thank you for the gospel and the grace that saved us and, and redeemed us. I praise you for each person here and those watching online as well. For saving us, giving us hope. And Father, I pray that as we have written names on our phones or on our notebooks, would you help us to pray for these individuals? Would you move in us and through us? And would you move into the hearts of those who were praying for as well? That you, by your spirit, draw them to yourself. For the good of your people and your glory. So we ask that would you have your way in us and among us, Jesus. In your name we pray.